Welcome, everyone, to episode three of Shoving Wilco, a podcast dedicated to the music of Wilco. I'm your host, Todd Rossnagel. It's great to have you along for the ride. I am joined once again by my good friend, Tim Arnold. Tim, welcome back to another episode of Shoving Wilco. It's good to be here, Todd. Yes, it is. It's good to have you with us, Tim, <laughs> as we continue to talk about each of the albums in the Wilco discography, if you will. We're dividing it into threes, and this episode is the second quarter, if it were a football game. This is the second quarter, and I've referred to it as the golden years. Todd, if this was Um, the second quarter of a football game, (laughs) this team would be going up by four scores right here. Yeah, this this would be... This is when the offense finally starts to get it together. This is when the passing attack is is hitting on all cylinders. Uh, yeah, this is when the fireworks happen in the stadium. This is, of course, as you know, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, a ghost is born, and then Sky Blue Sky. It is just three phenomenal albums, and we're going to break these down the way we did in the last episode. Start, bench, cut. What is your starter? What is the one song on this album that is just an absolute must go to? What is your bench player? Somebody who can kind of jump off the bench, give you a couple points and some boards and is is maybe perhaps an underrated song. And then if we had to, if we have to cut a song from this album, a song that just doesn't really do it for you. Maybe you just didn't do it for you when you first listened to it. So start uh, bench and cut. All right, so let's get into it here, Tim. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. There's a lot the most- out there. There's a lot out there. People want to educate themselves on this record. It, yeah, I believe it in really the last is. 20 years, it's got to be up there as just a seminal record, not only in the music here, but in the story told about the record being made and the changing waves of uh, the record industry. There's a lot going on with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, and Wilco just blasts into a new era with one of the best records ever. 51 minutes and 51 seconds of greatness. Uh, widespread critical acclaim. Too much to list here, as you were mentioning, Tim, but a few quick reviews that we do want to p- uh, pass along. All Music called this a masterpiece. Rolling Stone said it was an album that stands with the best of the year any year. It's been included in several best albums of all time lists and have been considered one of the most important and influential albums of the 21st century. The Rolling Stone album guide gave it five stars and Pitchfork gave it a perfect 10. And then, of course, as you referenced, Tim, uh, adding to the legend of this album is the documentary I'm Trying to Break Your Heart, directed by Sam Jones. And it was uh, an inside look at the sometimes crazy creative process, which is the part of the the documentary that I love so much, as well as, and, and of course, um, this is why I think it was so popular, the conflicts and struggles inside the band and with the record label. Yeah, a couple um, of things on personnel. This is widely known as the band's breakup with Jay Farrar, who was had been in the band for a while, put a lot of influence into the band, especially early. His fingerprints are all over this record. But one guy that's overlooked is Leroy Bach. He was the multi-instrumentalist pre-Michael Jorgensen, Pat Sanzone. Michael came on to Yankee in the touring time 
just to do all the noise. His job was like samples and texture and, and live performance of all the noises that were on the record, recreating that sound. Leroy was still there all the way through Ghost is Born. Uh, and then as, as Michael came on and, and Leroy phased out, then, then Pat Sanzone, Jones, and Sky Blue Sky. But Leroy Bach is a guy that had a lot of presence in the sound and in the performance of this band. And he just doesn't get the airtime. And I think you also have to reference when this was released. This was released in September of 2001. And of course, we remember what happened in 2001. So to have this album come out uh, at such an important uh, point in America's history, um, it it just, I, I think we were all vulnerable i think emotionally after 911 yeah. uh, and 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 we were we were thinking about things that maybe we hadn't thought about in our entire lives um i think that's safe to say i mean there was just a lot of stuff going on and to have this album at that time in america's history also just lends to its uh, its epic status it's undressed just like cross-eyed strangers this is not a joke so Stop smiling What was I thinking When I said it didn't hurt I think I may not have heard the album Before I saw them live First time I saw them live Was at the El Rey Theater in Los Angeles 2005 And they opened With I Am Trying to Break Your Heart and you know, like similar, like you said in the last episode and in the one previous, part of your your own personal Wilco folklore is maybe not your favorite song, maybe not the greatest, most popular song, but a touchstone for you. Misunderstood. Yes. Similarly to me, I I knew the band. I was falling in love with the band. A, f- a friend said, "Let's go see him at this small theater in Los Angeles," and they the, they came up with "I'm Trying to Break Your Heart," and Jeff Tweedy said. I want to hold you in the Bible black pre-dawn. And I was sold. I want to hold you in the Bible black pre-dawn. You're quite a quiet domino. Bury me now. Take up your... That will always be my go-to touchstone song. Uh, I'm trying to break your heart. Like we keep talking about, these guys know how to open and close records. And opening with I'm trying to break your heart, they're proclaiming something new, a very different sound, very different kind of lyrics, the whole deconstruction that exists in this whole record. It's just a great song. It is. And and, and it was almost my starter. I, I would agree with you uh, wholeheartedly. I mean, it's just... It, they're all starters on this album, so <laughs> this right. is this is a silly, silly game that we're playing right now with this album. Um, a heavy metal drummer, uh, Jesus, etc. I, I see both of you. I see. I'm trying to break your heart, but I'm going to go with I'm the man who loves you. Um, it's it's a song that just resonates in so many different ways. Um, in my life. This was right before my daughter was born. This was the last album of us being without kids. If I could, you know, I would just hold your hand and you'd understand. I'm the man who loves you. This song, this album was 
on repeat after my daughter was born. And the lyrics, I couldn't tell if it'd bring my heart the way I wanted when I started writing this letter to you. And eventually, of course, writing the letter called Life to my children. So, um, I don't know, it just hit me and still hits me to this day. I'm the man who loves you is my starter. Uh, but Tim, at this point, they're all starters on this album. Yeah, my bench spot could easily have been a starter. Uh, Pot Kettle Black. It's maybe the most straightforward rocker on the album. And uh, with a lyric like, every song is a comeback, every moment's a little bit later. Every moment's a little bit later. Yeah. My Bench is Poor Places. It's probably the most important song on the album and doesn't get the respect I think it deserves. I love this song. I love uh, how it sounds. And it makes no difference to me And they cried all over on the seas When it's hot in the poor places today I'm not and I know there's some heavyweights on this album, but I think this one is a little underrated. Yeah, I'm curious to know, what's your cut? My cut is Reservations. Um, and, and it's only because of the ending. And, and, I, and, I, and I get it that it's, it's all a part of the sonic exploration of Yankee. And in some ways, it's it's a precursor to A Ghost is Born, which would come out three years later. But I, I just, there's a part of me that wants to say to Jay, okay, we, we, we get it with the sonic stuff here. Do we need, do we need to be, you know, we're, we're, we're at seven minutes here, buddy. Um, and, I mean, I love the first part of Reservations, um, but if I have to cut something, that's going to be it. And it's just because it just draws out a little too long for me. I get it. But to me, it's a dare. Are you still listening? Will you stick with us? It's, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be difficult. I want to no, play the I, game I, with look, you, I'm, but I refuse to cut a song on this album. I'm not doing it. It's a perfect album. <laughs> That's a cheat, but I'll, I'll accept it because, uh, and, and technically, I don't want to cut reservations either. I mean, the first part of it is, is fantastic. I'm just saying the end is just, it's like, you know, you know, yay, 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 with the seven minutes. But, um, <laughs> but I, I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we do not uh, need to be cutting anything from this album. It is um, absolutely fantastic. But I will say this, Tim. I will say this. As much as I love Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, as much as the critics love Yankee, as much as it has kind of grown into this legend status for Wilco, our next two albums, A Ghost is Born and Sky Blue Sky, I'm telling you right now, these next two are my favorite albums. So the, let's let's talk about it. A Ghost is Born. We move now to the year 2004, a three-year break from Yankee, and we receive A Ghost is Born. Absolutely phenomenal follow-up to Yankee. Some say this album and the next 
are the best albums of Wilco's entire catalog. And that person would be uh, Todd Rossnagel. So let's go back in time. 2004, Tim, where were you? Uh, I was changing diapers. Um, well, there you go. My daughter was born. But um, where were you in life in 2004? Yeah, I was living in Los Angeles. Life was good. Oh, there you go. I there you was, go. I don't think I'd yet uh, begun traveling to see Wilco, which is something for another conversation. But, uh, you know, you're right. This is the t- this is where the teabag is steeping. You know, and you're just sitting <laughs> in three great records. Best album cover. Can I say that? You know, uh, what a friend of mine that I from Los Angeles, she was girlfriend of my roommate at the time, and we were pals, and we kind of reconnected a few years ago. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? What's going on? What's going on? Uh, you know, we're both married. We're both having kids, and things are great. And her husband is the photographer that shot that album cover. Get out of here. Yeah. It's like she had to brag. She's like, I know you love Wilco. Guess what? So, I mean, it's 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 an egg. It's an egg on a white. Is. But we're and talking I, and artists and poetry of like, of course it's an egg. And Ghost we're talking is born. Avant-garde, you know, I mean, it it, it, it just works. You um, know what stuck out to me recently? Uh, why, looking at this record cover, why does it say Wilco is less than or equal to a ghost is born? Hmm, There's some theology there, too. The album earned Wilco their first Grammy, I think one of two, for Best Alternative Music Album in 2005. And I think it's important to note, Tim, uh, Jeff has been very open about his addiction issues. Uh, He was in the throes of his addiction to painkillers and clinical anxiety uh, during this album. And I want to read from his book, Let's Go So We Can Get Back, which, by the way, is phenomenal. And we should probably talk about that at some point. Um, But this this is part of the book that is just really brutally honest. And I'm so thankful that Jeff wrote about this. And I think it's important to hear this, especially when we start breaking down this album. He wrote this about getting the band in the studio to write A Ghost is Born. He says this, I was pretty sure I was going to die. I mean that in all seriousness. I thought I was going to die. Every song we recorded seemed likely to be my last. Every note felt final. He went on to say this. I think the looming sense of imminent demise came across in the songs. The lyrical elements of A Ghost is Born were originally conceived as a sort of Noah's Ark analogy. That's why it had so many animal songs. Muzzle of bees, spiders, hummingbird, the fly and company in my back, panthers, which never made the album. I had this vague idea, he said, that the album was built around where all of the songs were animals representing the different aspects of my personality worth saving. He said, I don't know, it sounds ridiculous now, but at the time it made perfect sense. The dread I was feeling was profound and definitely biblical in its scope. It felt like a big flood was coming, something no one could survive. So I was saving anything I could, piling it all into this ark as a way to salvage whatever I could of myself. I was a goner, Jeff said, but I didn't have to lose everything. A Ghost is Born would be a gift to my kids who could turn to it when they were older and put together the pieces of me a little bit more than I'd been able to put myself together for them in real life. Remember to remember me Standing still in your past Floating fast like a rolling bird His goal in life was to be an echo 
sound the folks around and then back down like a feather. Wow. Wow. So that's that's the that's the background of what is happening with this phenomenal album. Top songs were at least that's what you said, Spiders and the Late Greats. And so that's an um, interesting list. I wouldn't have guessed is. that. You're the one doing all the homework. I, I could look at this list and and tell you, you know, pick three other songs besides the, any of those. Yeah, and and these are just random Apple Music stats. So this is you know the most streaming up to this date. Um, so it, it, you know, I mean, they're all. And again, this is very similar to Yankee. They're all just so fantastic. So I'll start with my starter, Tim. At least that's what you said. Is an absolute beast. One of the band's greatest songs. I cannot not have it as a starter. It is awesome. I actually have it as my bench, not because I don't love it. It may be my sort of most passionate favorite. The rock opera that exists in the second half of this song is just incredible. Uh, I have for my start, though, Muzzle of Bees. Just a perfect, sweet and lovely sound. The perfect Wilco mix of strange sounds and strange lyrics. And and again, uh, movements like Jeff is finding in Loose Fur, uh, which is a side project with Jim O'Rourke and Glenn Kochi, that may be too weird and esoteric for the more mainstream of Wilco, but he's bringing these things back in here. You know, uh, uh, we had mentioned in the last podcast. To me, this is the Jim O'Rourke era. These three records, all influenced by him, and I think to an incredible. Uh, success the band is finding a real balance between experimentalism that they were first trying with jay bennett and summer teeth and real polished pop songs in an experimental rock band and and muzzle of bees is is one of my favorites i'm assuming you got my message on your machine i'm assuming you love me and you know what that means Assuming you love me And you know what that means So for my bench And so your bench is um, At least that's what you said, right? Yeah, yeah I had an alt there for spiders Spiders, the, the introducing the sort of drone in a revised version from what it came off the last album in Reservations. They've now made this drone part of a song and the explosion that comes out of it. I, this is where I geek out about the dynamics of Wilco's music. Well, I'm going with theologians. Um, I I play this often for fans who want to know more about the Wilco sound. And I love, I love the theology of this song. Um, 
and, and theologians don't know nothing about one soul. Um, only God knows uh, about our souls. So um, there's that. And, uh, and God is with us every day. I love theologians. It's a it's a solid song, um, and again, it doesn't seem like it should be coming off the bench. I mean, this is this is a solid song, and I know that it's it's beautiful live as well. Um, so yeah, that's that's my bench, and I'm gonna cut kicking television. No real yeah. reason. It's a, it's a great song, I, but I, it's it's hard to cut on this album. Wait a second, kicking television is part of the bonus EP, right? That's not even oh, oh, that's part right. of the regular release. <laughs> I'm throwing a flag on the play. You're right. You're right. You're right. But you know what? Um, it's worth discussing. To me, there's a thread, and it only gets stronger the more advanced the boys get in their music making. But they're still in their hearts a garage band. They're st- they that Wilco survives still as fifteen year old boys falling in love with rock and roll. And kicking television is one of their garage band tracks, and I love it for that. So, what are you cutting? You know, I'm I've like I said, I'm a fan of the minimalism of the descent into noise, but I'm going to cut less than you think. I think they did that with reservations. They've got it here with spiders in a much more dynamic way. Uh, even handshake drugs, especially when they brought it live, just goes into noise rock. And and that uh, Wilco to me, Wilco just synthesizes kind of math rock jam band noise avant-garde just perfectly with the heavy dose of the Lennon McCartney. They're just yeah. an amazing band, but if I'm going to cut anything, it's going to be the 15 minutes less less than you think. In the sky, so you can see for yourself if you don't believe me There's so much less to this than We move now to Sky Blue Sky, um, and we've described this period as a trinity of sorts for Wilco's best work, and this would be the third leg in that stool. Uh, critical reception was good, not great compared to, of course, Yankee. Um, some said it was a bit of a departure from their more experimental uh, sound and return a little bit more to their traditional rock sounds. Many fans, myself included, appreciated that. The year was 2007. Uh, this was the year of Radiohead, Nine Inch Nails. Jay-Z is on the scene. So is Kanye. A lot going on uh, sound-wise in that year. And songs like Either Way, Germany, which we're going to talk about probably in detail. Walkin'. I mean, this was a little bit out of the ordinary, but in a good way. Right, Tim? Yeah, very much out of the ordinary. But it's fun to me to hear what I think they're leaning into influences and stuff. I mean, there's a whole lot of Lennon-McCartney hooks on things in here. Uh, There's, uh, I like hate it here. Uh, Shake It Off sounds so like a Frank Zappa riff that we've never Mm -hmm. heard. 
there's a lot going on here. And to me, this is the sort of, uh, here's the thing about Wilco. They are six individuals, each just a genius, masterful musician. And when they fold it all together, listen to the musical bridge on You Are My Face. The interplay on that, I could listen to over and over again and always hear something more. To me, as great as the records before them are, this to me is Pinnacle Wilco. They're playing together just effortlessly, smoothly folded over each other. It's just a beautiful album. Rolling Stone called it a triumph of songcraft and musicianship. And All Music said it's a relaxed, open-hearted album that finds Wilco at the peak of their powers. And I think that's a great way to describe it. And I think it's also important, Tim, to remember Jeff's timeline because we talked about A Ghost is Born and everything that was happening with him. He is now in full recovery mode. Uh, we're always in full recovery mode. And he describes this album as his recovery album. And I think I remember hearing the Dad Rock label for the first time with this album. Um we haven't done this with any other song, but I almost feel like we have to just set Impossible Germany aside and talk about it in, in greater detail because this is a, a Mount Rushmore song on what some might call a Mount Rushmore album. Your thoughts on Impossible Germany, it, it just explodes. Ridiculous guitar work by both Pat and Nels, a distinctive atmospheric sound, classic Wilco, beautiful and unsettling. Your thoughts on Germany. Yeah, I think you're right. It stands above all the rest. It's it's just the perfect Wilco song. I mean, it has aspects of everything they've done before, and they just really give Nels the space to fly in the solo. cathartic it's beautiful live and uh, as you said it's a staple so if you know I, I think we would all agree that it would be you know a starter but if if, if we're going to set germany aside who would be your starter on this album probably you are my face and in the way that some albums have those songs that get played one right after the other you know, like Heartbreaker and Live and Love and Made from Led Zeppelin. Sometimes a cool A&R station will play the two songs together. ZZ Top starts off their Choice of Ombre's album with Waiting for the Bus and Jesus Just Left Chicago. Some songs just live together in a pair. And to me, You Are My Face kind of tees up Impossible Germany. So out of all the amazing tracks here and amazing sounds on this amazing record, if Impossible Germany transcends, then I'm making You Are My Face my starter. Great call. Um, if we are going to set Germany aside, I would start either way. Um, Jeff talks about this song as being his key to recovery. 
everything has its plan. Either way, I'm going to stay right for you. Everything has its plan. When you know the story, when you know the story of what was going on, this song just, it just, it just means so much more. I guess it could in in some ways be a bench, a bench player, but uh, that that's my starter either way. I love the song and I just love the story behind it and, and how much it helped Jeff in his recovery work. Uh, either way is my starter. So who's your bench? Uh, my bench it's got to be side with seeds. It's so strange and experimental. It's got an amazing reach, some incredible changes. It's just a really cool song. Tiles top black Where the black top cracks We spark through Dark You Are My Face is my uh, bench player, um, which is odd because I put it on the bench and it was your starter. But I, I agree with you. I think it's a solid song. I don't think it gets its due. Um, and, uh, yeah, so You Are My Face is is my bench. And it's it's how do you cut something from this album, right? But, uh, but well, what would you cut? You, you might hate me for it because it is it's a lovely message to fans. Uh, <laughs> it's a lovely sort of goodbye uh, track, but what light is sort of the least connected to the rest of the album. And, you know, we've talked about this before. This band knows how to start and finish records. And you can look, there's, there's a bunch of great last song. And to me, on and on and on is, it's amazing. It's, it brings tears to your eyes. If you're in the right mood, listening to it, to me, what light is probably the one I'm going to cut. There's a light, white light There's a light, one light There's a light, one light There's a light, white light There's a light, white light I'm going to cut Shake It Off. Um, what? With a cowbell? How do you cut the cowbell? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Um, it just, it's a great song. I, I would not cut what light. I mean, I, I love that song. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to get roasted for this. How about but, we, how about we agree to leave? Well, you won't, you won't cut leave me like you found me because you wear no, your Wilco no. on your sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. And if anything, this, and you're right. You made a great point about either way. If you know the story shrouded in poetry and sometimes nonsense, Jeff Tweedy is a very vulnerable, very autobiographic lyricist. You can't cut anything from this album. You can't cut anything from the previous two albums. I mean, this is... Then let me classify it this way. We talked in the last episode about things disqualified from this timeline, this four quarters of Wilco Records, and I was only sort of joking. Just a Kid is a great, fun song. You know what other song I love? Wilco... I don't know where it's released. It's not on a record. 
they did a version of uh, Steely Dan, Any Major Dude Will Tell You, which is a great song. That's what I would do with What Light. What Light to me is should be on a soundtrack somewhere. I w- don't want it to not exist as a Wilco song, but to me, it's just the least like the rest of this album. And if I have to pull one off, it's going to be that one. Well, this uh, this this was this was this was the era, right? This was this was Wilco at its peak. These were three unbelievable albums, and um, you know, again, I, I love your reference off the top. If this were if this were a football game, this is the second quarter where everything just is clicking on all cylinders, and uh, and it's just it's one of my favorite um, eras and and time spans of Wilco. So many great live songs that they still play to this day. This is and fantastic. A great time to see them live too. You know? Oh yes, Two, absolutely. Two thousand eight, Wilco. They did a five night residency in Chicago, playing every song in their catalog, and then they launched into a tour, a spring tour. And I saw them twice on that tour, and they were just at the top of their form, playing just incredible set lists, just all the music. It really was. Two thousand eight was a great year. Uh, to see Wilco live. Our next episode will be the third quarter, if you will, the shift Wilco, the album, the whole love and star Wars talking about album covers. Um, That episode is coming up next on our next recording of shoving Wilco. Tim, this has been fun. Thank you. Thank you once again for joining us. I appreciate your insight um, and uh, looking forward to the next episode. (music) 